Welcome to GW Hospital HealthCast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. The topic today is Stroke 101. My guest is Dr. Kathleen Berger. Dr. Berger is the director of the Comprehensive Stroke Center and a member of the medical staff at the George Washington University Hospital. Dr. Berger, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Stroke 101, let's just start with the basics. Why don't you tell us what is a stroke? Are there different types of stroke? Um, And is this really a huge issue for people in the United States? Well, a stroke is when a blood vessel is suddenly blocked in the brain. And that means an area of the brain will have no blood flow. um, And if this lasts for a significant amount of time, the cells in the brain supplied by that blood vessel will die. Death of cells in the brain leads to a significant number of symptoms, which can be different in every patient, um, including weakness on one side or paralysis on one side of the body. Types of stroke are either this blood vessel is blocked, as I just described, called an ischemic stroke, or it's when a blood vessel bursts, and that's the bleeding type of stroke known as a hemorrhagic stroke. When you look at those two types of strokes, I think people, when you say the ischemic type and there's a blockage, is that similar to what happens, say, in the hearts that, in the arteries that feed the heart when somebody has a heart attack? That's a perfect analogy. A blood clot in your heart causing a heart attack is very similar, if not identical to a blood vessel being blocked in the brain and causing a stroke. But very similar too. What about you mentioned the hemorrhagic or the, 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 the where the vessel kind of bleeds out? What what's the main connection there? Why does that happen to people? Well, that um, there are many reasons why it happens, but the reason it looks the two types of strokes look the same are one of the ischemic stroke, a blood vessel suddenly has a clot and there's no blood flow going to the brain and those cells die. The hemorrhagic stroke, a blood vessel bursts, and there's so much bleeding in an area, and it pushes on a huge area of the brain. That increased pressure causes those cells to die. So on the outside, the patients look very similar, but on the inside, the two types of strokes are very different. I could list a number of reasons why patients are at risk for both types of stroke, if you'd like. Yeah, I'd like to definitely get into the risk factors for them. But before we do that, what, what stroke is most common in this country? Is it the, the ischemic stroke or the hemorrhagic stroke? The ischemic strokes are more common. About 80% of strokes are ischemic and 20% are hemorrhagic. So, Dr. Berger, let's let's go ahead and get into what are the risk factors for both kinds of strokes, because then I think that naturally leads into a conversation about then prevention, right? So let's start with risk factors for both kinds. Sure. I think I'll start with the most common risk factor for both strokes, but is yet modifiable, would be high blood pressure. Managing your blood pressure and reducing your blood pressure with lifestyle with or without medication, can reduce your risk of both ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke. Right. And Other you risk factors that are... One, one question, mm-hmm. Dr. Berger. You mentioned the, the word modifiable, that meaning that this is a risk factor that we can actually do something about. Is that what you mean by that? That's exactly what I mean. Okay. So blood pressure is a modifiable risk factor that's actually increasing the risk if it's high for both types. Okay. So let's go on to some additional risk factors. Most other risk factors are 
identified closely with ischemic stroke, and these include high cholesterol, high blood sugar or diabetes, inactivity or lack of exercise, obesity, and smoking. And if you notice, all of these things can be treated or improve with lifestyle modifications. Right. That's that term, modifiable. Exactly. Okay. And so that was for the hemorrhagic stroke, a nice list of, of risk factors. And so obviously, when we talk about prevention, Dr. Berger, of the hemorrhagic stroke, we're really talking about a lot of just improvements in, in lifestyle, diet, exercise, weight loss, stop smoking, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, that's a perfect list for prevention of both ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke. Is there any specific risk factors to the ischemic type of stroke that's maybe different from hemorrhagic? I think uh, the list that I mentioned, the longer list, is more for ischemic stroke. Okay. The risk factor that unifies the two strokes is high blood pressure. The remaining risk factors are more closely related to ischemic stroke. What would be some other causes of the hemorrhagic type stroke other than blood pressure? Blood pressure is the most common. Other rarer causes um, would be certain medications that make you prone to bleeding and possibly an aneurysm. So, Dr. Berger, to summarize kind of what we've said, there's two basic types of stroke here. We have a a type of stroke that is what we call ischemic, which is a blockage, and a hemorrhagic type stroke, uh, which is there. Uh, there's bleed and there's pressure and there's death of those brain cells. But one of the things we had said is that unifying risk factor is blood pressure. So that's obviously extremely important, right, to keep track of. What are some healthy blood pressure numbers? Well, the ideal blood pressure is actually controversial. Depending on what literature physicians review, you can see many different numbers. The best and most common blood pressure to probably live by would be the accepted normal of 120 over 80. So that would be a systolic blood pressure of 120 and a diastolic blood pressure of 80. Even if patients are much higher than that and they improve or lower their blood pressure slightly, any movement in the right direction begins that reduction of risk of stroke. Right. And that's some of what, what I'm hearing from you, Dr. Berger, is that even though there, the stroke is very common in this country and it causes a lot of de- uh, um, debilitation and death, the good news is, is there are things we can do to prevent, right? There are those modifiable risk factors, lifestyle changes, keep track of your pressure. So that gives us some hope into that. But let's move the conversation on to what if somebody is actually having a stroke? Uh, what are some of the things that I, I can look for in somebody. When should I be concerned, either in myself or it may be in a coworker who I think might be having a stroke? Sure. The best mnemonic that has been successful in public education is FAST. The letters FAST each stand for an important symptom of stroke. F stands for facial weakness. So if a patient looks in the mirror and sees that one side of their face is drooped, that is what facial weakness looks like. A stands for arm weakness. If somebody is moving their arms and suddenly one doesn't move very well, again, this is a symptom, common symptom of stroke. S stands for speech changes. If a person suddenly cannot speak at all or has significant slurring of speech that happens suddenly, this is also a common symptom of stroke. And T is time to act, call 911. 
Yeah, These are the most common warning signs of stroke. And if, pa- if people remember just those few, they will be able to recognize it, over 80% right. of all strokes, either in themselves or possibly in a family member or friend. And, and of course, the key thing there is fast, right? That Tell us a little bit about how important it is if you think you're having a stroke or if a family member or friend is having a stroke to get them to the hospital <laughs> quickly. Well, it is extremely important to call 911 immediately because our, one of our favorite statements on the stroke team is time is brain. Every few minutes, millions of brain cells die. Once a brain cell dies, there is no possible recovery. However, what is happening immediately from the time of stroke onset is that brain cells continue to die for several hours. And the earlier you seek treatment and call for help, the earlier treatment can be provided and save many brain cells. Right. Disability will be less if not cured. So time is brain. Fast, 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 right? That's the, that's probably our take-home message for the conversation. Let's, Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's kind of end our, our discussion here, Dr. Berger, with um, a little bit about the Comprehensive Stroke Center at GW Hospital. Tell us a little bit about that. A Comprehensive Stroke Center is the highest level of designation that any stroke center could achieve. And despite the thousands of hospitals throughout our country, there are currently around, when I last checked, 150 or 160 stroke centers in the country. So this high designation is something that we are very proud of at our hospital. What that means is that comprehensive team approach of care is provided for to every single patient. A good example I could provide of a comprehensive level of care is just if you sat with us during our daily rounding of patients. Even if I see 20 people Every patient is receiving care and thought from a large group of people, and that includes, of course, the doctor and the nurse, but also includes the pharmacist, the physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, the nutritionist, a number of rehab specialists that are already trying to help us prepare plans for when the patient goes home successfully, a case manager, a social worker, and several others that I just cannot think to list right now. Right. Those, every day we have a hard stop. We, the 15 of us get together and we talk about every one of our 20 or 25 patients. Wow. And what makes them unique and what journey they have ahead of them to continue um, to be successful after they leave the hospital. Right. So, Dr. Berger, in summary, what would you like people to know about Stroke 101? I want everybody to know that they have the power to prevent most of strokes, that, you know, looking at the American Heart and Stroke Association's website, they can look at Life Simple 7 and how they can prevent stroke by remembering seven simple things, and that is managing blood pressure, controlling cholesterol, reducing blood sugar, get active, eat better, lose weight, and stop smoking. If you do everything your doctors tell you amongst that list, you can prevent four out of five strokes. And there are really no better odds, you know, with any other disease, basically, that we treat as physicians. And then, of course, if you think you or your loved one could potentially be having a stroke, then please call 911 immediately. We love false alarms. That's much better than missing an opportunity Hmm. to treat a patient. 
Well, Dr. Berger, I want to thank you for the work that you are doing, and also thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to GW Hospital HealthCast with the George Washington University Hospital. For more information, you can go to gwhospital.com. That's gwhospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of the George Washington University Hospital. The hospital should not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.